This program is brought to you by Stanford University. Please visit us at stanford.edu. We will start with President Hennessy. Thank you. Good afternoon, and thank you for coming. Stanford University was founded on the idea that we have a responsibility to advance and utilize knowledge for the benefit of the greater community. And we have a long history of incubating new ideas and putting them to work in the real world. Recently, the economy has created challenge for all of us, universities included. But we're here today to announce evidence that even in these difficult times, we can move forward and make progress in addressing the world's challenges enabling universities to apply their vast knowledge and capability to help lead us to a better world. Certainly, energy is one of the most important problems we face. It, pros it poses a three-pronged dilemma. First, our dependence on foreign sources of petroleum undermines our national security. Second, instability in pricing and generally rising prices for energy endanger our economic stability and competitiveness. Third, and most importantly, our large and growing use of fossil fuels around the world leads to global warming and threatens our ecosystem and our very way of life. As president of Stanford University, it gives me great pleasure to announce that the university, in partnership with a group of visionary individuals, will launch an important new research center focused solely on finding solutions to global energy issues. The Precourt Institute for Energy at Stanford will be an independent laboratory that will engage leaders in the scientific community across the campus and around the world to overcome all three aspects of our energy challenge. The new institute builds on efforts beginning more than five years ago to increase our research and teaching devoted to the global challenge of energy. In November of 2002, Stanford was selected as the home for the Global Climate and Energy Project a consortium providing research funding of approximately $20 million a year to work on all aspects of the energy problem. And GSEP has launched more than 40 research projects examining technologies ranging from renewables and biomass to solar energy to CO2 capture and storage. GSEP has increased the amount of funding at Stanford devoted to energy by about five times. Since then, additional new research programs funded by a variety of entities, have added an additional $10 million annually to our research funding. We felt, however, that these amounts were simply inadequate, and that we needed to expand our efforts, both in research and in terms of educating leaders who will play important roles in our energy future. This means hiring more faculty and recruiting more top graduate students. With the downturn in the economy and our endowment, and the resulting reduction in university finances, it could have taken us a decade or longer to get to the level of investment that we believe is necessary. Fortunately, we found two sets of founding donors who were not only willing to support the effort, but who urged us to develop a comprehensive program and have helped shape our direction. They led the way with their vision, wise counsel, and gifts to make this center a reality. Jay Precourt, undergraduate and graduate alumnus, and his family, together with Tom Steyer, graduate of the Stanford Business School, and Kat Taylor, dual degree holder from our business school and our law school, are responsible for the creation of this new center. They'll be joined by other donors, including Doug Kimmelman, Mike Rafato, and the Schmidt Family Foundation, so that in total, we have raised $100 million to begin this new center focused on energy. 
The Precourt Institute for Energy, enabled by their lead gift of $50 million from the Precourt family, will be a broad-based effort to attack the problem of providing energy in a sustainable fashion for the growing world. Existing efforts, including GSEP and our Center for Energy Efficiency, will be included with this activity. And we will also establish relationships with other interdisciplinary centers around campus, including, for example, the Program on Energy and Sustainable Development and activities at the SLAC National Accelerator Center and more than a dozen departments across center. A major new center, the Tomcat Center for Sustainable Energy, funded by a $40 million gift from Tom Steyer and Kat Taylor, will focus on the, on the challenge of moving to a future where renewable energy is both economically competitive and environmentally friendly and becomes the energy source of choice. This center will explore new technologies with the simple goal of remaking renewable energy cheaper than fossil fuels, as well as working on policy issues that will help accelerate a future based on renewable energy. Our new institute will be housed in the Jerry Yang and Akiko Yamasaki Environment and Energy Building, a building that is our most energy efficient building on campus and is dedicated to the kind of multidisciplinary research on science, technology, and policy that will be needed to accelerate our energy future. This is a complex and long-term undertaking that will engage the mind, minds of hundreds of faculty and thousands of students in the years ahead. And our success will impact millions, perhaps billions of lives around the planet. The key to making this new initiative successful is wise and experienced faculty leadership. We had such an individual at Stanford. Lynn Orr, a 24-year veteran of our faculty, a distinguished scientist, a great teacher, the former dean of the School of Earth Sciences, and the inaugural director of the GSEP project. There was no one better at Stanford, no one better anywhere in the US, to lead this new effort. And Lynn has agreed to serve as the inaugural director for the Precourt Institute of Energy. So now I know you're looking forward to hearing some remarks from Lynn. So let me turn the podium over to him. Thanks, John. Uh, so my job is to expand a little bit on the activities of the Institute. This, uh, this new institute will bring together a talented group of students and faculty distributed all across the university. Uh, by my count, we have 136 faculty distributed among 21 departments. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that I missed a few, and uh, I'll probably hear from them tomorrow. Um, our ability to create a fully functioning interdisciplinary energy research effort depends at its heart on these disciplinary strengths. But it will put those strengths to work in new ways and it will allow us to add to them substantially. You can think of the new Precord Institute for Energy as a parallel and a complement to the Woods Institute for the Environment. Both of these organizations work on problems of great societal importance and they do it with talented students and faculty across the whole university. So let me say a few words about each, important, each of the important components in the new institute. As John said, we will establish the Tomcat Center for Sustainable Energy. This center recognizes the importance of moving to much greater, energy, uh, much greater use of energy resources um, like those that begin with the sun. Energy from sunlight is abundant on the planet. About 6,000 times uh, more energy arrives at the surface of the Earth than we humans use now. But we need to reduce the cost of converting that energy into electricity and other forms that we can use. Um, this is an area where our expertise in the fundamental science of materials can be put to work in a much bigger way. 
Let me give you just one example, and I could stand up here all afternoon and give you examples, so I'll just do one. Um, we now have the ability to control material structures at very small scale, so-called nanostructured materials. We can use that control to make materials that have entirely new properties that allow us to move light in new ways, known as photonics, and turn light into electricity or to split water to make hydrogen. Research in these areas will allow us to find ways to reduce the cost of converting sunlight into other useful forms. To make much greater use of energy that comes from the sun, which includes biomass and wind, we will also need a much improved electric grid that can manage widely distributed intermittent generating sources and demand at the user side of the grid. And technology breakthroughs are needed in energy storage, both at small scale for vehicles and at large scale for the grid. With better batteries and electric vehicles, for example, our use of imported oil could decline significantly. This new center will also allow us to work on the host of societal, economic, and policy questions that are also criti critically important. While we need technology breakthroughs, we also need to foster sustainable energy use through markets and the regulatory environments in which they work. An essential early step is putting a price on carbon emissions through a carbon tax or a cap and trade system, for example. But after that, we need to have markets that price energy in a way that reflects its impacts and better ways to help people understand how their own choices and energy use can contribute to a sustainable energy future. The existing Precourt uh, Center for Energy Efficiency will be an important part of the new institute. It will continue its work on energy efficient buildings and transportation and on the systems that link people to the use of energy. The earliest returns on investments that will come from improving efficiency and we've left ourselves a lot of room to do better in that area in this country. And it's very important that as a society we use the energy we do use wisely. The Global Climate and Energy Project will also be part of the Institute. It will focus on breakthrough research across the full spectrum of conversions of energy from some primary energy resource with an emphasis on reducing greenhouse gas emissions. Our experience there in the last five years has convinced us that there are many opportunities to put more resources to work in a number of areas of research investigated there. So how will we use the resources that John mentioned? We will establish five new endowed professorships. With careful use of matching funds, we should be able to make six to eight new faculty appointments in critical areas of research and teaching. We will create 20 new Stanford interdisciplinary graduate fellowships in energy. These fellowships will help us attract and support the most talented graduate students around, around to work on energy research. Similarly, we will establish a competitive set of postdoctoral fellowships to allow us to deploy more talent at that level too. We will also create an energy research innovation fund that can provide seed funding for two-year projects that ex can explore new ideas in energy conversions. As a first step and to kick off the activities of the new institute, we will conduct a competition for new projects with funding of $2 million this spring. We will also use the new institute to take a detailed look at the way we teach about energy across the institution, both at the graduate and undergraduate levels. We have been working to expand our course offerings uh, in that area now, but we can do better. So the new Precourt Energy Institute will allow us to work effectively on the full spectrum of energy research, from basic sciences to technology to end use efficiency, with a healthy dose of markets, economics, social behavior, and policy as well. The energy challenge is a big and very important one, but it is just the sort of challenge the students and faculty at Stanford should tackle with enthusiasm. We are very grateful for the support that makes it possible for us to do that in a big way. Thank you.
So I think we're happy to take any questions that you might have now. With Stephen Chu going in as Energy Secretary and with possible new initiatives on the federal level, how do you plan to interface, or will you be totally independent of any, any federal research that's going on in the same areas that you're hoping to pursue? Well, we, we, um, uh, the, the Institute, of course, will, will have its, uh, its collection of faculty uh, and its activities, but uh, we hope absolutely to leverage the kind of support that might be available. Uh, as I said, we have a talented and wide-ranging group of faculty in, in uh, uh, working in the area, and some of them have support, for example, from the Department of Energy now. Uh, we would expect absolutely that they will be in there competing as hard as they can for that, uh, that research effort. A, a key for us in that regard was if we waited for the ramp up in federal funding, it could take a substantial amount of time before we could hire faculty because, of course, we need some permanent funding to hire faculty and begin to employ graduate students who are here for multiple years. So the key was to get a set of gifts that would help us build some core endowment that would allow us to support a 20-year, 30-year, 40-year, 50-year vision on energy. with other gifts that Stanford's received, just to put it in context? Well, I think um, we have, uh, this is one of the largest gifts we've ever received that's focusing on program as opposed to buildings. Many of the other large gifts we've received focus on buildings. This one is specifically focusing on program. The other thing I can say is between the pre-courts and, Tom's, and Kat, uh, Tom Steyer and Kat Taylor, we were able to get this thing started in an amount of time which was simply astonishing. I've never spent so little time finding people so passionate about a topic that we were able to bring it to fruition in a matter of just a few months. How solid are the dollars? Is it cash you have in your hand, or is this gifts of stock so your $100 million center could be $50 million next week? Uh, our $100 million center won't be $50 million. It's uh, gifts of cash that are already coming in. Um, or guarantees on the payments, so uh, I think it'll be a solid commitment. I think we have donors to this center that are determined that we can really make the kind of investment that we need to solve the long-term energy problem. With the, the existing programs like GSEP, you've already got a funding stream coming in there from yeah. the corporations that you're working with there, like Exxon and Toyota and Schlumberger. How do, how do you either mesh or keep separate the, the pools of funding that are going to be brought together with this? So the question refers to the fact that we, um, that we uh, work in the Global Climate and Energy Project with um, uh, industrial support. Um, the way we work there is through uh, proposal competitions. So uh, faculty members who um, are uh, working in a particular area can propose innovative research, and then we do the best job we can to try to uh, uh, pick the projects that uh, are the strongest technically and have the best shot at reducing greenhouse gas emissions. So we'll just we'll keep right on doing that. It will, it will complement nicely all the other things that we're working on here. President Hennessy, how do you think this compares to the 90s where um, you know, increased interest in information technology and computer science at universities like Stanford gave rise to a lot of activity in the private sector and a boom that happened really pretty quickly? I, I think there are some parallels between the energy challenge and the information technology challenge which we faced, particularly starting in the late 80s even when the U.S. leadership in, in information technology and semiconductors was really challenged. Um, and this is a problem that is perhaps even more critical in the long term. 
I think there are some differences. I think, quite frankly, the energy problem is harder than the information technology problem. It involves more fundamental, deep work on areas such as materials that Dr. Orr touched on. Uh, it also involves a longer process of transitioning it to industry. We've got to work because, in the end, energy problem is about solving the problem at scale. Small solutions to the problem don't work. You've got to get to scale. So I think we have to have relationships that enable us not only to have startup companies that can provide new technology there, but also working with larger companies that can deploy this technology at scale quickly. So speaking of timing, what is the next concrete step that you take to implement this? Well, our next, our next step now that we have the, the first step taken will be um, we will actually start some faculty searches, which I think, given the, uh, given the uh, economic uh, situation the university and all universities have found themselves in, um, being able to actually hire some faculty in a time when otherwise it's virtually impossible, I think will be a, a welcome uh, a, a welcome news for everybody. Uh, I think that will be the first thing, and then I think probably the um, new seed research programs will be started up, will be next. What kind of a collaboration do you anticipate uh, with Silicon Valley companies or entrepreneurs or, or venture capitalists, and is anything already in the works to kind of facilitate that collaboration? S certainly we've had a long set of collaborations with Silicon Valley and with our friends in the venture capital industry. I think what I'd say right now about the green tech industry is it needs a lot more new discoveries and new inventions that will really boost us past where we are now. We're in an era where um, some of the technologies that are being piloted make sense when oil is, is $150 a barrel but won't survive when oil is $100 a barrel. We need to work on technologies that meet um, what I call the, uh, the Tom Friedman test a new technology that meets the China price that you can sell to China as an alternative for burning coal. That's the, that's the holy grail in this, and that's the kind of problem we want to focus on. Uh, this one's directed towards Google. Uh, have you seen this report out of the UK involving uh, Google's carbon footprint, and it's equating a certain number of searches to a certain output of CO2, something like uh, two searches equals the energy it takes to heat up a kettle of water. Have you, have you seen I've that? seen the website, but I haven't read it carefully to comment on its accuracy. Yeah, I <laughs> we got topic briefly to talk about the National Academy of Sciences report you were just involved with. In I'm sorry, since, sure, since we fine. have you here. So. This is a different topic. Yeah. Uh, so I should say, just for anybody who doesn't know, I was just co-chaired a committee at the National Academy um, with General Brent Scowcroft uh, focusing on the issue of export controls and trying to bring our export control regime into the modern era um, and to um, put to bed an export control regime which is largely based on the Cold War era. So we'll see how we'll see what kind of reception we get. I think we did get an interesting reception from people. I think the concept of particularly trying to um, not only maintain what's called the fundamental research exemption, which means that work that we do at the university isn't covered by normal export control regulations, but also to create a similar competitiveness exemption that would use a principle that says that if a particular technology is available outside the US freely, 
um, that it shouldn't be restricted by U.S. law so that U.S. companies are not inhibited. I think the concept of having a principle-based um, set of rules for um, export control as opposed to a set of rules that don't originate on the basis of core principles and therefore are very difficult to update and maintain um, is a concept that people realize it's time for. Why is it important? It's important because if you look at our mentality, and I think we tried to capture this in the name on the title, uh, Fortress America, um, we, have a, we have an export control system that is left from a regime where we had a pr primary single adversary, um, where they were far behind technology, and where we dominated in all the key technologies. We no longer dominate in all our key technologies. Our adversaries are greatly different than they were. Um, and we are challenged on a competitiveness front on a day-to-day -day basis. So those things, I think, all factor into the consideration for updating the export control regulations. Okay. Any more questions related to our Energy <laughs> Institute? Um, just about the pre-court endowment, do you think any of it will trickle down to the undergraduate population at Stanford at all, or was it solely focused on the graduates? So it's, it's certain that we will use some of the resources to work uh, across the institution on uh, teaching. And actually, we have an energy committee now really working on trying to understand where the strengths are and where the gaps are. Um, uh, so I'm certain that we will make some resources available to help try to fill those gaps. Now, it could be faculty. It could be um, course uh, development uh, kinds of funds. Um, and we'll really do the same thing at the graduate level, too. Uh, the, we have a spectrum of audiences there. So yes, absolutely, uh, teaching and working with students. And of course, on the research funds, what most of that money goes for is to support graduate students. Since a lot of the funding is coming from Mr. Precourt, who came from the, the oil and gas business, and since you know, the, the whole BP deal with Berkeley was roundly criticized for bringing in oil money to work on alternatives, is that a concern this time around? Are you concerned that someone might worry about that? Is there any intellectual property issue we should It's not a, it, it, we don't view it as a concern. First of all, the pre-court gift is a gift to the university and the university will, um, will decide how to best use that to pursue the goals. I think we have had a wonderful relation, working relationship with Jay Precourt in terms of doing this. And quite frankly, I found his vision as somebody who spent a life contributing to the oil industry that we need to think about solutions to these global energy problems um, to be uh, illuminating and helpful. And I think, uh, quite frankly, um, it's the kind of vision that I think we need more of in this country. The preceding program is copyrighted by Stanford University. Please visit us at stanford.edu.